Ladies and gentlemen, sweep your sins under the parlor rug, dress to impress the people that you loathe, and beg an old man in a dress to stuff a cracker in your mouth. <laughs> because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> As a lapsed but confirmed Catholic, that just that just really made made it made my confirmation in Catholicism worth it. <laughs> that that re- that joke really just oh, I'm glad. Sealed oh, the yeah, deal. Thank welcome. you. This is talk tall to me. Wait a minute. I am Omen Said, and I am Nick McGill. We are feckless momes, and this is talk tall to me. The Adventure Through the Life and Times of One Jesus Christ by the name of Ian Anderson, who was crucified on a cross made of flutes. He died for our sins so that we could be reborn and saved in his music. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, from the genesis of This Was through the rather dodgy revelations section of the 1980s all the way to the present day, and maybe even unearthing some Dead Sea Scrolls, we trek as tall theologians song by song through the entire discography. And this week, I have nothing. Omen, do you have anything? You mean like possessions? Yeah, yeah. You know, the Greek philosopher Diogenes once said that owning nothing at all is still too much. Well, I mean, you flavor yourself a Buddhist, and they're all about not having... I do flavor myself a Buddhist. And just a titch of of rum extract as well, <laughs> just to spice things up there. Yes. So... Uh, they're, they're all about not having earthly possessions. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. So, uh... So what's the answer, Omen? Do you have anything? I do. I'm a bad Buddhist. Shameful. They're going to revoke your card. <laughs> In terms of housekeeping... Yeah, do you have any housekeeping? I don't have any housekeeping. I think we can jump straight into the song that we're talking about this week, Let's... which is what? My God, we are listening to My God. Let her rip. Zoinks. Ooh, doggy. That that is a that is a that is a big old mouthful of a song, Nick. It is it is palpable. It is it is like it's like biting off too much taffy. Mmm. Yeah. And it's by the time you learn to regret what you've done, it is too late. It is certainly too late, and it's all over your hands and all over the steering wheel of your car as well. 
you just added so many details to that story. <laughs> I, I'm not speaking from personal experience. Not at all. At all. <laughs> Nick, let let's talk about the music before we before we jump into the lyrics. How do you how do you feel? Yeah, about that? okay. Wow. Yeah. So, just the just the music alone for this one. I know. I know. I feel like we have Ian Anderson on the acoustic guitar in the beginning. Sure. It's oh, it's and such then, it's such good acoustic though. It's so. Oh my god! I know. It's I know. so un, It's it feels very unusual for the acoustic that we're used to hearing in Tull. Yeah, it's very. It's very ominous. Yeah. <laughs> There's a sense of foreboding yes. there. And that is helped by the minor key that it's in. Certainly. Yeah, oh, but sure. There's also just the tone with which the fingers are are touching the, the fretboard uh-huh. is so, it's got so much, there's so much held back in that intro. Yeah. Well, in particular, knowing what is about to be unleashed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... We have the bass line with the electric guitar backing it, which for me throughout the song acts kind of as a, you know, in sculpture, sometimes you make a wire frame yeah. before you put the clay on. Yep. It, for me, it, that's, what it, that's what it's like. The bass and sometimes the guitar acts as sort of an armature for the, the really thick, veiny flesh of the flute and electric guitar when it's filling out. A lot gets built up onto it. Yeah, a lot. And then, and sometimes it's really satisfying how the armature, as it were, that that kind of backing riff gets really sparse. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. There is, there is a lot of variety and color to this song, and it the textures vary in some drastic ways. Absolutely. Right. And we have this sort of two main musical sections of it, not counting the solo. There's heavy. And don't call on him to save. It feels it feels plodding. It feels like in like it's moving to an inevitable end and it is an Absolutely. unstoppable force. Absolutely. And the, yeah, and you may get crushed by it. Like a grape at harvest season. Like a like a a pagan religion under the heels of Catholicism. Ooh, the tea is hot today, Nick <laughs> McGill. <laughs> you had that in the chamber, didn't you? You were ready for that. No. <laughs> and and then we have the the kind of chorus, if you will. I, I don't really know if you could call it a chorus, but right, right, right. It opens up a bit. Yeah. The bloody church of England in chains of history. It's almost like a a mournful hymnal. It's like those really like those churches. It's the opposite of like a great. Southern Baptist Church, you know, it's the 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 Southern Baptists sing these amazing, like heartfelt, joyous songs, and they well, they some just of them echo do. through the rafters. The yeah, some of them do. I went to I can sidebar. Are you asking for permission? Yes, I'm asking for a sidebar permission. <laughs> Granted. Thank you. Last Easter, I, by accident, sort of 
went to an Easter service, uh, and and uh, the reason I went was because somebody was like, oh, it's a Baptist service. And I was like, oh, the Baptists? Great melodic harmonies, heartfelt music. Oh, my goodness. But they were white Southern Baptists. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. had a mega church with, with a better lighting budget than most regional theaters. Yeah, that's gross. And it was really not fun, and there were way too many guitars on stage, and the lyrics sucked, and the musicality was awful. So gross. And then, and then I went and saw Richard II, and that had way more divinity in a single minute of it. <laughs> ah, sidebar concluded. Well, that's my point. There's the rich history of the Southern Baptists who praise in a way that is soulful, and then there are those who are empty and singing the exact same songs, but in a drone or eyes down and... And which one does this feel like? This feels like the latter. But this feels... But but it's not... But I do... I wouldn't say that this isn't heartfelt. I feel like there are feelings mm. in the heart with this and those feelings are dread, guilt, a deep sense of shame. Right, which is what every one of those people is feeling as they sing those hymns. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ooh. it's in the blood. So, Nick. Yeah. Question for you. Go on. The flute solo in this song. <sighs> is it the best flute solo in all of Jethro Tull or the best flute solo ever? I wasn't there one not too long ago that I said was my favorite flute solo that I could listen to over and know. over. I don't remember. It was a couple episodes ago. Oh, I Th guess it was really meaningful to you. This <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you about this one in, in, in two episodes and we'll see how you okay. how you do. <laughs> I'm like, what song? Uh, no, it's really good. It's, it's amazing. It's really, really good. puts all of that that emotion that we've been feeling in the guitar and in the singing and he puts it into that flute and there's it feels it feels like a, a cornered rat almost if there's a desperation and there's no way out and he's panicking yes but it's also so precise at the same time sure yeah because he's he, at this moment he has such such a great mix of of mastery over the flute, mm -hmm. but also still that rawness. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's just so good. Yeah, it's it's a perfect. It's like a at a really good point in the Venn diagram right now. Yeah. Now, follow up question: Is this the song during which Ian Anderson's consciousness has merged with Mellotron, and it has <laughs> taken on his voice? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Is you're referring to that kind of choral bit at, bum, at bum, the end bum, of bum. the la 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 yeah yeah yeah. La.
Does is that not Anderson's voice? Yeah, oh, that could be the Mellotron. That's interesting. It must be. I just feel like I just I just see Anderson sitting up way way too late into the night playing with Mellotron, recording each one of them. And then John Evan comes down to breakfast in the morning and is like, "Oh, hello Ian. Sleep well?" And Ian's like, "There is no Ian. There is only Mellotron." <laughs> or better yet, Ian's not even there and John sits down to to warm up and instead of like the piano or the the symphony sounds that he's used to, it's just Ian screaming <laughs> on every key. <laughs> Get me out of here. Now now you know what is going on inside of Ian. Every key is la 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 la. <laughs> I don't claim to have synesthesia, although I although I would love to sometimes. I, I feel like that'd be really great. I and that's awful to say. No one I mean whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> But but when I do when I listen to some pieces of music, I I have a very active imagination, and images really easily come to my head. Mm. And during that section where it's tom 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 and the flute yeah. like skittering about everywhere, yeah. I just imagine a flute running for its life in hallways while like just herds of monks all <laughs> pop out of doors chasing it, like a a flute, not a flautist. No, no, you heard me, Nick. Okay. A flute. Okay. That's... A flute running for its life. Yep. That is, I mean, I can like see that. Like Childish Gambino at the end of This Is America. I, oh, God. Oh, what a, what a, what an amazing song and video. I know, but, I know. So, uh, moving. That, that video haunts me. That song haunts me. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. Not for the faint of heart. So... What else do we want to talk about musically here? Well, it's it's seven minutes long. It is a seven, seven minute minutes song. and thirteen it's, seconds. It's a really long one. Honestly, seven I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if minutes. It... One for each realm of seraphim, and thirteen seconds once for every disciple plus Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's, it's. I'm pretty read sure. Read between the lines, people. Read between the lines. <laughs> Let's see. It is, uh, hands down, the longest. On the album, the oh yeah second closest is Aqualung by six thirty, and then wind up at just six. So by thirty seconds, it is the longest song. This is one of the longer songs that we've heard so far from Tall. In general, I think it's they, it's it's so rare that they get that far up, and it is at this phase at least. I mean, yeah, later on, it's I think, a precursor I think it to more the next two albums for sure, but. But yeah, I I do think they get a little more, a a little more stretched out, or they're more comfortable being a little more stretched out because I I think they're less concerned yeah. about radio time and and things like that, you know. Like yeah, yeah, could be consumability. They're not trying to finish the song before they get booed off stage. Yeah, or that. Yeah, yeah. I I no, I was gonna say I doubt that they were booed much at this point, but they were. I don't know if definitely it, booed during Passion Play. Whenever they, oh, when they? they, oh yeah, people did not like Passion Play huh. at all. It was, it was, it was really hard to do. It was a really difficult piece of music to play live. Yeah, and now, just, now just let's the fans not get like, ahead of ourselves. Okay, yep, Nick. You're right. You're right. Fair enough. We don't. Want, we have to respect the temporal directive. That's right. That's right. Chronologically, that is two years from now. 
<laughs> Where am I? This musically, this song is so forceful and so strong. And the even if he were singing in German, I think I would kind I would get the gist of what's yeah. going on in this song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is going on in this song? So just uh just a quick reminder, this is the first song off of side two. Yes. Uh, side B of the album. The B side. The, the B side is sometimes just referred to as My God. Hmm. Interesting. It's the My God side. It, most of it is the that religious theme, just a, a religious theme. If you were looking at the, the supposed concept, the supposed concept behind it. There's also musically this this facet of the B side where the songs do flow in one into each other very smoothly. I I didn't. Oh yeah. I used to think that My God and Him Forty Three were the set were just the same song. I didn't realize until much later that they were actually separate tracks. Yeah, they work very well together. They really do. But but this is a distinct song with with distinct theming. Mm-hmm. And. What would you say is the, uh, what would you say is the, uh, what's the central theme of this, Nick? It is, it's a lot like Christmas song, actually, I think. Uh-huh. In this, yeah. in this yeah. sense of, this is, this is not how this is supposed to be practiced. Right. Whether it's christmas or whether it's religion or catholicism it never actually says the closest it gets to catholicism is the the church of england right so technically it's anglicism anglicism anglicanism anglicanism the anglican church yeah that so yeah (sighs) i mean that is that is the one that is closest to him but i don't feel like it's specifically directed at that you I know, know i think it I th- could I be applied oh i do think that the the themat- that the themes that he's talking about are certainly certainly universal but it but it does feel really personal to me really you think it's it's a it's a direct target i do i think he's speaking directly about his experience with the mm, church okay and his his apparently deep conflict between his religion and his faith. Sure, sure. Because I think that, you know, he, at least if we just take this album, you know, I, I we don't pretend to know what he believes now or, or really even then, but yeah, if you take this album as evidence, it seems like he does genuinely have faith in, in God and, and, and in, a, and in a, a Christian belief. But there's so much anger and frustration with, with as you said, how it's practiced. Yeah. And the the institution, right, that has capitalized in some cases quite literally on that religion and that faith in other people. Yeah. The practice and the presentation, it is it has lost its way over the centuries the millennia you know however long 
Church of England was what Henry the Eighth. Uh, yes. So mid fourteen hundreds, right? Yeah. Early fifteen hundreds. Late, late, late fourteen. Yeah. Late fourteen, early fifteen. Yeah. So it is. It has, and even then, I mean, let's be honest. Hank Ocho did not create his own church out of the goodness of his heart. Not exactly. Not exactly. No. So that, in and of itself, when the seed is rotten, the fruit will be rotten. Right. And you know, there's one. There's one line. I mean, the lyrics in this are all so fabulous. But there's there's yeah, one that really so scathing for me kind of sums it up i think is is sort of a good representation mm-hmm. and the graven image you know who with his plastic crucifix that's the one that i always come back to yep and the graven image you know who with his plastic crucifix and it's interesting that he ta- that he that he uses the phrase graven image mm-hmm. because my understanding is what a graven image is is a a false either a an image of something being worshipped which which isn't actually the divine or or is the wrong kind of divine like I'm thinking of the golden the golden ox when they yeah. worship the golden ox yep. is that is that right the golden bull it's close yeah i but i mean there are some there are some portions of catholicism that don't even do saints really of catholicism yeah because wow. they 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 don't want any prayers going to anyone other than jesus right. so like a little right, medallion right, right. of saint christopher you pray to saint christopher for safe passage that is praying right. to a graven image Interesting, right. Yeah. And then there are some um, religions and sects of Christianity where you're not supposed to have any any images of of anyone. Yeah. Or, you know, you can have, like, patterns, basically. Yeah. S- smacks of, what is that, Islam? That's the that's prophet. one of the that's one that's one of the one of the tenets of Islam. Yeah. Uh, yes. But there are I believe that there are Christian groups who, who essentially practice the same belief. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean. They're all cut from the same cloth. They all have their flood myths. They all have their saviors. They all have their prophets. Right. It's, it's so the fact that he's referring to the language to... they speak and the color of their skin, and that's essentially it. But yeah, yeah. Sorry. The plastic crucifix as a graven image. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, even in the most austere forms of Christianity, there's usually a there's usually some kind of a physical representation of of Jesus on the cross, or at least the cross itself. And so to say the to say that a plastic crucifix is a graven image. Yeah. Is that blaspheming or is that a really devout critique of hypocrisy? I I think it's the latter. Cuz specifically Vote on our Instagram a, a, for <laughs> a crucifix has Jesus on it. That that's right. Yeah. That's the difference between a crucifix and a cross. Yep. And he, I think he's saying here that people aren't praying to Jesus, they're praying to the crucifix. Right. And by calling it plastic, it's not just literally talking about the material, it's talking about the... The, the genuineness? Yeah, or the, um, the disposability Yeah, and, and also, I do think you can buy 
a plastic crucifix from a church. You can buy a plastic crucifix. It's the it's the sure. the making everything having to buy the accessories. Why do you need that when you could you can sit under a tree and pray to Jesus? Right. It's capitalism. It's capitalism in the church. Yeah. It's the monetization of of religion, which has been happening for probably as long as religion has oh, sure. existed. Sure. Sure. We, we've already talked about indulgences once on this podcast. And if you'll indulge us again, uh, there is actually a reference. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. There's a reference to it in this in this song. So lean upon him gently and don't call on him to save you from the, your social graces and the sins you used to wave. So lean upon him gently and don't call on him to save W-A-I-V-E. Right, to waive the sins. Yep. So I believe that's a reference to indulgences. Well, and also, I guess, to the to the process of confessing. You know, you you absolve someone of their sins after after you are after they confess to you if you're a priest. Yeah, that feels that that line almost feels as if it's directed to a priest. Oh, certainly, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I think that whole first se- that section is People, what have you done? Locked him in his golden cage, made him bend to your religion, resurrected from the grave. He is the god of nothing, if that's all that you can see. You are the god of everything. He's inside you and me. He is the god of nothing, if that's all that you can see. You are the god of Inside you and me. It's interesting that he switches to you for you are the God of everything. Yeah. Indicating to me, I think, that this isn't just, you know, an ex-religious person saying, oh, yeah, the church is bad. This is like a devoutly religious person speaking directly to God in that line. Hmm. Interesting. So the, the you, the you are the God of everything is to God. And then he switches back. But the following line says he's inside you and me. Yeah, he looks up for a second while he's talking to the priest. I I don't know. I think if to me it feels like we are all God. Mm. We are we are all a part of that religion. We are all we should all be treated as such. Or is he saying to the religious figure, the authority the authority figure you have taken on the role of God in an, in an inappropriate way. Hmm. Priests are just the mouthpiece of God, so in a sense you are talking directly to God. I don't know. I don't know. I think that can be can be interpreted a couple of different ways. I have one more for you. Yeah. You'll be praying till next Thursday to all the gods that you can count. You'll be praying Day, to all the that you can do you think 
that is a reference to the saints system. Yeah, because there's a Hail Mary and there's multiple saints had multiple prayers and all of that. Right. That would make sense to me. Well, and as you pointed out earlier, you mentioned crushed pagan religions. I've heard it often said that part of the reason there are so many saints and that the saints are worshipped mm. in Christianity was to give space to a kind of vestigial polytheism yeah. in the populations who were converted sometimes forcibly, obviously, yeah. over to Christianity. Sure, they, they their gods were absorbed into the pantheon, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And there are some there are some examples that are where you can trace it exactly. I think St. Bridget is one where mm. there was a a Celtic goddess, a Celtic fire goddess, whose name was Bridget or, you know, some older Celtic version of that. And they just they just whoop, made her into a yep. saint. Mine. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Mine. I take it. Nick. Omen. Personal question. Yeah. Do you believe in God? I'm not I'm not sure I ever did even when I was going to church and was forced into confirmation and Sunday school and all of that. Huh. I think I subscribe more to an animist sense of everything has a soul, everything has an entity. Right. And we are all on this whirling ball together. Hmm. I, I don't I don't need I don't need to I don't need to be afraid that I'm going someplace bad after I die to be a decent human being. Right, right. And I don't need some higher power to be in control to make the bad stuff feel better. Right. Huh. That's a very eloquent answer, Nick. Thank you. I've I've been I don't want to say I've been burned by religion, but I've, I've, I was an altar boy for the record. I, oh, I, yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't, I don't think I knew that. Really? I, I don't think I was an altar boy by the time I met you. I would, I, yeah, I don't think so. But I don't, I don't think we were doing much church at that point. But yeah, I, Catholicism has left a very sour taste in my mouth, particularly with all of the stuff that has gone on in the Catholic Church and I took a, a religions You mean the you mean the Crusades? Starting with the Crusades to to be sure. Yeah. 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 The killing of the firstborn so all that, you know. That was <laughs> is that Herod? Yeah. But no, it was it's I I have nothing but a sour taste for not only Catholicism but any organized religion. Mm, it is not yeah, directed fair. strictly at Catholicism. It's just I may rail about it more because you have a personal connection because I have a personal connection. And that's really the main religion that is in in the United States. That is the the predominant. There are, are many for sure. Um, and I'll rail about all of them. But this is the one. This is the one that's personal. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Catholicism specifically has has the biggest population hold in, in the U.S., but certainly no. Christianity. Christi OK, Christianity. No. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 What about you, Omen? Do you believe in God? No, no, no. <laughs> Period. End of sentence. No, I, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't believe in in God in the monotheistic sense. Yeah, I do. I do believe that the that the universe is a 
is a divine and connected, I don't want to say entity, but but network phenomenon yeah phenomenon yeah and i don't know i i don't really believe that we have souls but i do believe that we are a continuous process of energy and sure. and so you know the question of is there something after death well certainly you know does our consciousness perceive it in the way that we perceive our quote unquote living life i don't know how would I know? How, there's no yeah. way to tell. I consider myself a, a Buddhist, and which is which is really depending on who you ask, more of a philosophy than a religion. Yeah, because you're because there's there's nothing to worship. <laughs> yeah, it's just setting yourself up for for mental and physical success, essentially. Yeah, and being being present. Yeah, and and reducing suffering. That's that's the that's the main tenet behind Buddhism mm-hmm. is. You know, life is suffering. Here are the reasons for suffering. Here's a here's how you can reduce suffering. Yeah. However, I do enjoy religion sort of as a hobby. Uh, I go to church sometimes, and and there are certain denominations and certain uh, what are their clubs called? <laughs> Bible studies. Par- par- parishes. Oh yeah. Certain communities. Like locations. Yeah, yeah. Whom I whom I completely enjoy, and and there are really some lovely people. There's a lot of really rigorous and and bracing intellectual philosophical discourse to be had. I quite like a lot of the music, despite what I have said about a lot of it that I really don't like. But yeah, I'm not mad about all of the all of the art that religion has has inspired. I'm into mm. it. A lot good has come from religion. Certainly. But I and this this is the this is the keystone to the the thesis that is my God is a lot bad has come from religion too, right? And I think that I think that for Ian Anderson he's saying re, the, that the religion is completely false, and 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 a complete offense is in a way a blasphemy to mm-hmm. the reality of of what God is, which you know. Yeah. If if everyone were more spiritual instead of religious, I think it would everyone would get along a lot better. Yeah, maybe. Or would we be like, "Oh, you're the wrong kind of spiritual." Yeah, who knows. In a like a one or two word answer, Omen. Okay. If this song were a god, which god would it be? Ugh. Kalima the Destroyer. Oh, okay. I like it. Well, I think that's. I think that might be all all the time we have. Yeah, I think that's a a pretty good place to wrap it up. We got pretty philosophical there. <laughs> we sure did. I hope everybody stuck through it. I apologize if if it got a little too heady for anyone. I do just want to say, uh, just just jumping back to the music, Martin Barr's guitar mm. is as crunchy as a fresh communion wafer Mercy. in this song. It is so good, delicious. Yeah. So Nick, what are we listening to next week? Next week is another one in our religious chunk here. It is Hymn 43. 
Wow. Yeah. Can't wait. Very cool. So until next week. I hope that I see five new reviews come up over the next week. And when I do, I will say, my God. My God. Confess how you feel about oh, us nice. in the confessional box of the iTunes store. Forgive me, Omen, for I have sinned. <laughs> I missed. Oh, I know. I missed. I missed listening to Talk Told to Me on its release day last week. It's been it's been one week since I've listened to Talk Told to Me. <laughs> That's all right, my son. Say sixty-one, Ian Andersons. Leave five stars, and uh, you'll be good. And say 31 Martin Bars. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Omen Sade. And I am Nick McGill. We are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Talk Tall to Me. Oh.